Alrighty, well, it's so great to be back with you. Uh, last Sunday, I was in Dayton, Ohio, uh, preaching at the Salem Church of God there for a congregation that I do a lot of mentoring work with, and uh, had a great time there. On Monday, uh, after I was there, I got the chance to fly to Baltimore and got to spend uh, three or four days with my grandkids, and uh, just had a great time. I got to take my uh, grandkids out for trick-or-treating and all of that, and I just had to show, share you, show the joy with you. This is my granddaughter. Isn't she beautiful? And she was my princess, and we got to go around. Could you not give candy to that face? I'm telling you, you know? And uh, she gave her grandpa all of her chocolate. She's just such a sweetheart. We just love her so much. We just, I just had a blast, and just, we missed them so much, and it was just great being with them. Um, it was so funny. I was, I was watching on Facebook. All the, so, several of you were posting pictures of your kids uh, that were trick-or-treating, and, and just a lot of cute things that kids were doing. The, my favorite picture on Facebook of a kid trick-or-treating, I, I just thought this was so incredible incredible. I laughed my head off. Throw that picture up on the screen. This is the one I saw. It's a tired mom. <laughs> Is that awesome? Got a baby in her arm, a baby on the, look at the baby throw up on her shoulder. And that, that, that was, I laughed for 10 minutes when I saw that picture. I absolutely, how many of you moms can relate to this? I, when I saw that, I thought, oh boy, does that bring back the day? Wow. Wow. So much fun. I want to welcome you back to our series we've been doing called Upside Down. I want to welcome our online audience, too. Glad that you guys are joining us as well. You know, there was a, a study done several years ago with kids, and the, the, behind the research was this idea, how much uh, do children really need boundaries in their life? How much do you let kids kind of figure out on their own, and how much boundary do you create for them? And, and one of the and one of the tests that they did, one of the experiments they did with this, is um, with obviously with adults watching, they took a group of younger kids and they placed them in a rather large field that had no fence. And the idea was they wanted to see how far would the kids go, how far would they expand. And to their surprise, they discovered that the kids who were placed in this wide open field who could run as far as they wanted to go, they tended to huddle close together in the center of the field. And the idea was, as they were watching this, that kids, they don't know how far they can go, and so they wouldn't go very far, and it didn't feel safe for them to be out there. And so they just thought this was so wild that kids wouldn't just take off. Then they took a different group of kids and they actually put them in a field of the same size that had a fence all the way around it. And guess what happened? The kids went all the way to the fence. And as they, as they were looking at this study, what, what, they were, what they were showing was the fact that kids need structure in their life. In fact, kids want to know structure. Let me take that one step further. Kids found freedom in structure. Does that make sense to you? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. In this Upside Down series, we've been looking at statements that are, are kind of paradoxical, and we've been looking at how God kind of flips things for us and actually causes us to look at things differently than we normally would. And today, what we want to talk about, believe it or not, is that there is freedom in slavery. Now, the big idea behind that is that sometimes when, when we think of what does it mean to be free, we think we have no restrictions. 
We have no rules. We have no one to tell us what to do and that, that there's great freedom in that. But actually, what we're going to find is that the exact opposite is true. Just like children need structure and boundaries, we actually find great freedom by making ourselves slaves to our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready? You want to take your sermon outline out of your bulletin. You can track along with me. If you want to read some of those verses on your own in the Bible, we have Bibles in the pews in front of you, and those are our gift to you. If you'd like to take one of those Bibles home for yourself or someone else, please feel free to do that. I want you to look with me at Romans chapter 6. Look at what Paul says. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do the, those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Now read this last sentence out loud with me. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I know this sounds crazy. And it sounds so paradoxical, but it really is true. There is freedom that you discover when you commit your life to Jesus Christ and you say, I'm all in. I am binding myself to you and your ways. In other words, like Paul's talking about, making yourself literally a slave of God in that fashion. When you do that, you can find freedom. Well, freedom from what? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you several. Are you ready? They're on your outline. Here's the first one. You get freedom from guilt. Freedom from guilt. You know, you, did you hear what Paul was saying in Romans 6? He said, you know, there was a time you did what you wanted. And now you look back on those things that you did and you're ashamed of them. Come on, just us. How many of you can look back on your days before Christ? How many of you can identify some stuff you did that you're kind of ashamed of now? Anybody? Yeah. Most of us have that. Paul said, you know what? When you bind yourself to Christ, when you come to him, guess what? You get freed from that guilt. You find forgiveness of sin. The wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I, I love one of my favorite texts of scripture is in, in actually the next chapter of Romans chapter seven. And Paul's talking about how he, he wrestled with wanting to do the things that were right and he said, you know, he said, I found this crazy thing. He said, sometimes I, I want to do what's right, but you know what? I can't do it. I try, but I can't. He said, then I, I don't want to do what's wrong. And you know what? I end up doing it anyway. And he said, I do this over and over again. And he goes, wretched man that I am, who can free me from this body of death? And he says, praise be through Jesus Christ, our Lord, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Maybe that'll preach. Now, here's the deal. If you came in this morning and, and you feel guilty because you know you haven't been doing what you should be doing, 
If you've been like Paul, trying to do stuff and you can't do it and not do stuff and you're doing it, and you came in this morning and, and you're feeling guilty. In fact, you didn't even want to come to church today because you felt that bad. Here's the deal. The Bible says when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I don't care what you did, how long you did it, or what went on, God is willing to set you free from that bondage of guilt today. And you can be set free. Can I give you another one? That, that, that slavery to God sets us free from loneliness. Sets us free from loneliness. Really interesting. Psychologists are now saying that loneliness is epidemic in our culture. Now what's crazy is we've never been electronically more connected than we are right now with social media and all of that stuff, but we've never been more alone. And for many people, they, they hardly ever have an actual human interaction with someone in flesh and blood. They're, they're having interaction with their smartphones or they're having interaction with their iPad or having interaction with their laptop, but, but they're not. And, and what they're finding are people are growing more and more uh, alone. And that's one of the things you often see people, man, I just wish I had a best friend. I just wish I had someone I could depend on. I wish I could have someone who, who would return the love I have. I wish I wouldn't be abandoned in every relationship I get. Look at me. You got to get this. What if I told you there was someone who will never leave you or forsake you? What if I told you that there was a Jesus who said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age? You see, this morning, you can enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can have a forever friend. In fact, I love how Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, you know, you've, you've called me master, and you've called me teacher, and that's what I am. But you know what? No longer. I want you to call me friend. If you came in alone today, you don't have to be alone. God will be with you always if you open your heart to him. Amen. Can I give you another one? You can be free from a meaningless life. You can be free from a meaningless life. It's so interesting how many people discover along the way that the American dream really isn't that great of a dream. How many people discover that you can have two really nice cars and you can have a beautiful home and you can have all kinds of stuff and still have a big hole in your heart that all that stuff can't fill, amen? And so people are looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose. And here's the deal. That's what Jesus Christ has come to offer you, purpose in life. He took a group of fishermen, and he made them disciples. He took people from where they were, and he gave their life a deeper meaning. And that's the gift that he offers us. If we bind ourselves to man, we become employed. Wherever we go, you know what happens? We become an ambassador for our Lord Jesus Christ. It was really interesting. Last week at, at, at Salem, I was, uh, I was talking with a, a young lady who, whose husband uh, works for a company in Nashville. And she was talking about this awesome company that her husband works for that has recently hired a chaplain for the company. I thought it was so cool. Their company has uh, very Christian values, and they decided to hire a full-time chaplain who would basically be a pastor to the people at work. 
And I thought, man, what a great gig, you know, uh, to be able to work for a company and be able to just kind of go to office to office and, and be a chaplain and, hey, how's everything going and be a pastor to them. And I thought, well, that's, that's really great. And then as I was thinking about this message thing, I thought, you know what? We can all be chaplains. We all get to do that. Whatever job you work, wherever you go, wherever you find yourself, you know what? You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You don't have to have it as a vocation. You've already got it as a calling of God. And the moment you surrender your life to him and the hand of God is upon you, your life takes on a whole new meaning. Can I give you another one? And this one's really personal for me. This slavery to God also sets us free from being defined by others. It sets us free from being defined by others. You know, those of you who know me know... um, I, I tend to get pretty emotional sometimes, and especially when I'm talking about the, the great grace of God, because there's hardly a day of my life that I don't look back and realize where my life could have gone. You know, when I was growing up, I had, I had a lot of people who tried to define me a lot of different ways, and had I allowed them to define me I would not be here today. I would not be doing what I'm doing today. I would not be the man that I am today. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to look you in the eye and tell you from the bottom of my heart that one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave me in becoming my Savior and Lord was I found out I am not defined by any human being. I am defined by my Father in heaven. And the same is true for you. I don't care what they called you. I don't care what they told you. The only one who gets the right to define you is the God who created you. I don't care what name or label they put upon you. When you commit your life to Jesus Christ, you become a daughter or son of the king. I love what 1 John 3 says. He says, for God has lavished his love upon us that we should be called the children of God and that's who we really are. And today... You can step into a brand new identity by letting God alone define you. Amen? One more? Give you one more. You get freedom from death. I knew you'd like this one. Here's the reality life at some point on this earth ends. We don't know when. Sometimes tragic things happen. Sometimes we get to grow old and we die later. But here's the deal. Sooner or later, we all come. Death is a passage as a part of this life. But here's the deal. When we, be, when we become children of God, that's no longer the end of the matter for us. Jesus, I love it, in John chapter 11, when he was talking with Mary and Martha about their brother Lazarus who had, who had died, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And that's great news. Because no, we no longer have to fear whatever human being fears. Paul said, this is the hope that we hang on to all the days of our life. We have freedom from the fear of death because we've made ourselves slaves to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Well, I, I, I sat back and I, I, I tried to step into this whole idea of, of really binding ourselves to God. And I was asking myself the question, what could we do 
to really lean into this relationship and really bind ourselves tighter to the Lord. Are you ready? I, want to, I just want to give you a, a few things that will help you today. First, first one is this. If, if you really want to step into this fully, you need to make yourself a slave to the habits of the faith. You need to make yourself a slave to the habits of the faith. Throw that passage on the screen. Paul was writing to Timothy, and he said, you know what? Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Now here's the deal. You can't become a good soldier unless you train how to be a soldier. You can't be a stellar athlete unless you train how to be a stellar athlete. When we watched those guys last night at, at, at the Oklahoma City Thunder game, for all of us who were at the game, and you saw these guys out there, these weren't just a bunch of tall people playing a game who just decided to put on a uniform. These were guys, when you watch their skills, they have put in hours and hours and days and days, weeks and weeks and years and years in training to become the athletes that they became. In fact, I saw this poster and I thought, this is so good. Put that up on the screen for me, would you? I love it. It said, successful people aren't born that way. They become successful by establishing the habit of doing things unsuccessful people don't like to do. And that is the truth. You know, when I was a senior in high school, um, I, you know, I love basketball and I, I started playing in seventh grade. And my senior year, they were having a citywide free throw shooting contest. And I was always a pretty decent shooter, and, but I decided to enter this free throw shooting contest, and I knew it would be a tough competition because I was going to be competing against all the other guys in high school and actually the college players as well. And so I, uh, I, I decided I wanted to get a, a leg up. And so for, for like two weeks before this free throw shooting contest, I went to the gym every day and just shot free throws. And I kid you not, I would get a partner, and I, I probably shot close to 1,000 free throws a day. 1,000. That's a lot of shots. I just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. Did that every day. Came the day of the free throw shooting contest. Hundreds of guys in this thing. So we get there, it came, and everybody's shooting. I got to my turn. You get 10 shots, and what they were doing, whoever, however many made a 10, then they were going to have a playoff kind of thing, whatever. I got up to the line. Guess how many I made? All 10. 10 out of 10. Come on, give it up. Give it up. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Well, there was one other guy. He made 10 out of 10 as well. So now we have this two-man playoff, and everybody's watching. So he gets up to the line. He goes first. He makes eight. I get up the line. You know how many I made? All 10. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Now, what, what I want you to understand is that is when, I, is when I shot that, and I took that on with me to college, and I shot like 85% in, in, in college when I, when, I played, when I played in school. But, but what I want you to understand is it wasn't that I just walked up to the free throw line and automatically made 10 in a row. There was a lot of stuff I did, a lot of habit I put into place so that when I got there, I was ready. Does this make sense to you? Same deal. Look at me. Don't miss this. You see, what I want to tell you is when we talk about getting into the Word of God, when we talk about letting, your, letting yourself spend some time reading, reflecting, uh, getting in a Bible reading plan, getting in a Bible study plan, why am I doing this? Here's why. Because along the way, what I know is the enemy is going to come against you. You can't wait till the enemy comes to prepare for him. Does this make sense? People who are in the word, people who are reading, people who are reflecting, when they get in those moments, they are prepared. People who make themselves a slave to the habits are set free 
when those moments of struggle come. I remember one morning in my personal quiet time reading Luke chapter 4. I was reading about Jesus going through the temptation. And what I found interesting was that every time that the enemy tempted Jesus, do you know how Jesus responded? With a scripture verse. And I'm reading this. I've read this story hundreds of times. And I'm reading it one morning. And all of a sudden it hit me what Jesus did while he was growing up. He was memorizing scripture. He went to the synagogue. He went to the temple. He had So when he became a 30-year-old man and he's face to face with the enemy, the word of God was in him. And because it was in him, it could come out of him. And that's what I want for you. If you really want to be free in your walk of faith, I'm going to double dog dare you to, to, to make yourself a slave to the habits of the faith that'll take you there. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Let me give you another one. Make yourself a slave to the voice of God. Make yourself a slave to the voice of God. How many of you have been reading or seeing on the news about the wildfires in California? It's just tragic, tragic stuff. It's, it's crazy what's been going on. Um, really interesting. I want, I want to show you, for those of you who may not have seen it, let me show you just a couple pictures. Can you imagine, this is from Geyserville, uh, California. Can you imagine looking out your window and seeing the entire horizon on fire and coming at you with winds that are 50 miles an hour. Throw that next picture up before me. That fire travels so fast and can engulf a house and a barn or property so quickly, you have almost no time to respond or to get out. In fact, throw that next picture up here. Here are some people trying to get out. Can you imagine trying to drive through that kind of terrain? It's, it's crazy. But here's what blew me away. When I was reading some of the articles about the fire and the things that were going on, one of the firefighters said, our greatest problem is not the fire. Our greatest problem are the people who ignore the warnings and stay in their homes, and we have to rescue them from the fire. And here's what a firefighter said. It blew me away, and I never thought of it before. He said, we can't fight the fire if we're trying to pull people out of the houses. He said, if people would just listen, he said, we could, we could deal with the fire. He said, but we're having to pull people out. And I'm thinking, this, is, this makes so much sense. And in fact, it was, it was really interesting. In this article about Geyserville, was talking about this 81-year-old man named Harry Bosworth. And he was one of those that a day or two in advance, they said, you know, these fires are coming. There are 50-mile-an-hour Santa Ana winds that are blowing this thing. It's happening in a hurry, and you need to leave. And Harry was one of those guys that go, you know what? I'm going to stay here. I've been in this home for however many years, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to leave. And it, these are not fires you can fight with a garden hose, you know. This is not stuff you can deal with like that. Harry said before the, even dawn happened, he said he was awakened to noise out in his driveway. He went out, he said there are two fire trucks and an army of firemen screaming at them to get out. He said, all of a sudden we look up and he said, the fire is just sweeping across our field. He said, we watch it engulf our barn. He said, I grab my wife, we jump in the car. By the moment we get to the road, the fire sweeps across our home. Harry, what are you waiting on? When I was reading the story, it, it hit me. This is what we do, gang. 
If I could give you one gift, it would be this. That when you hear, sense the voice of God speaking to you, respond. Obey. Sometimes there's not time to, come on, this is us. How many of you argue with God about stuff? Come on. You know, God, God, you know, God telling us something and we're going, oh, but God, you know, and, and you know, we kind of play, we go, oh, well, you know, I, oh, I know that happens to other people, but you know, that'll never happen to me. And you know, all, all of this guys, I want you to say out loud, just say that, everybody repeat this out loud. I am not as smart as God. Now, I want you to turn to the person you're sitting beside and go, and neither are you. <laughs> I know that felt good, didn't it? Yeah. That felt good. You've been telling them that for years. And I want, I want us to get that because when God tells us stuff, we need to learn how to obey. Throw the passage of Scripture up on the screen. I love this. Genesis 1, the Lord comes to Abram and he says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Read those next three words out loud with me. So Abram, say it again. So Abram... One more time. So Abram went. He didn't argue with God. He didn't say, God, where are we going? How am I going to get there? You really want me to leave everybody? God, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't argue with God. So Abram went. Oh, God, make us like that. I love how Psalm says it. Throw that up on the screen for me. Read it out loud with me, church, in Psalm 119. Just tell me what to do, and I will do it, Lord. As long as I live, I'll wholeheartedly obey. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that verse. I want you to put your outline up on your refrigerator this week, and I want you to look at that all week long. And somewhere, some way along the way, I promise you that verse will save your bacon. Amen. Let me give you one more. Make yourself a slave to the love of God. Make yourself a slave to the love of God. You know, I know when we use that word slave, it has this really bad connotation to it, and we kind of internally push back on it. But, but I want you to understand this. Look at me. I, I don't want you to be a slave to the fear of God. I don't want you to be a slave to this idea that if you don't do it, God's going to get you. I don't want you to be a slave to this image of God being some policeman in the sky who's just following you around going, go ahead, make my day. I want you to so step into the incredible love of God that that love becomes a cord that just wraps around you. I love what the psalmist said. Throw that up on the screen for me. He says, but I am like an olive tree, thriving in the house of God. Read it with me, church. I will always trust in God's unfailing. Will you? There was a, a, a man, a husband in Spain in 2010 who got a text one day. It was a picture and that picture, that image, was his wife bound hand and foot. Right after he got that picture of his wife tied up, he got another text that said, we have kidnapped your wife. You will pay us $25,000 for her release, or we will kill her. 
A minute later, he got another text and said, don't go to the police or we will kill her. Well, the husband was struggling what to do. They gave him later the drop-off, where they was to drop off the money in a bag, and the husband decided, you know what, I'm, I've got to pay this. And so he got the money together and put it in a bag, but he did call the police. And the police came, and they uh, put a tracker in the bag to see where the money went. He did the drop-off, and the police watched on the screen as the tracker that picked up that the bag was picked up and that it was in a car moving to a part of town. And they went to that part of town and they, they saw that the bag was actually moving into a very uh, kind of a high uh, end area that had all very kinds of fancy shops. And the bag was actually in one of those fancy shops. And so the police, when they converged on that area to capture the perpetrators, it was the wife. She had kidnapped herself. They arrested her. And they said, why in the world would you do this? Why would you send that picture to your husband and ask him to pay $25,000? Why, why would you fake your own kidnapping like this? And here's what the wife said. It blew me away. She said, I wanted to see just how much my husband really loved me. Well, $25,000 worth, at least the first time. <laughs> Look at me. Do you have any idea how much God loves you? A whole lot more than $25,000 worth. Come on, make eye contact. For God so loved you that he sent his one and only son that if you would just believe in him, you wouldn't have to perish, but you could have everlasting life. Look at me. You were kidnapped by sin, and God paid everything that he had to retrieve you. That's the kind of love I invite you to make yourself a slave to, a God who will do anything for you, a God who is willing to wrap you in that kind of love. And you know what? It's a love that's not gonna go away. In fact, again, I love in Romans 8 how Paul picks this up. Throw it up on the screen. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, in all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's how much God loves you. And it's a love that will stay with you all the days of your life. Are you tired of feeling guilty? You can have freedom today. Are you tired of being alone? 
You don't have to be alone anymore. Are, are you tired of just doing a job and wondering if there's more to life than this? Oh, there is. And God wants to set you free and give you purpose and meaning in your life. Are you tired of being defined by other people? Today, you can have a brand new identity. And you know what? On top of all of this, you don't have to stay dead. You can have new life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Rachel, why don't you go ahead and come. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if they would go ahead and take their places here at the front and in the back. And I'm going to ask my ushers to go ahead and get ready. They're going to service the communion elements in, in just a moment. And I, I want to invite you in these next few moments just to fully and completely lean in to the love of God. Look at me. Please hear my heart. You're going to be a slave to something or somebody. Why not make yourself a slave to God and set yourself free? The wages of sin, living life on our own, that just ends in death and misery. But the gift of God that he offers to you is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Rachel's going to lead us in this beautiful song. It talks about how deep God's love is for us. And this morning, I just want to invite you to just a personal time of prayer and reflection. And this morning, I just invite you, this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, just to open your heart and just to pray a very simple prayer and say, Lord, I, I want you to set me free. I want you to be the Savior and Lord of my life. I want to serve you the rest of my days. I want you to experience this freedom for yourself this morning. You can pray that prayer. There may be some of you who are walking through some stuff, and, and maybe you need someone to pray with you today. And we've got a couple prayer partners here at the front and two more in the back that would be more than happy to pray for you about anything that you're walking through. Uh, whatever personal struggle you have, or however much you want to share with them, they would love the opportunity to pray for you. So while we're doing this, if you want to slip out and come, they'll be happy to pray for you. If you can't get out, if for some reason you're immobile and you just need someone to come to you, just raise your hand. And one of the prayer partners will be happy to come to you where you are and they'll pray with you right there. This morning, don't miss this opportunity to meet God here. The ushers are going to dispense the elements. Guys, why don't you go ahead and come? Remember, the cups are stacked in two. The bottom cup has your bread. The top cup has your juice. If you'll hold them till everyone's been served, and then I'll pray a prayer, and we'll receive them together. Let's pray together. Father, it's so funny how sometimes we think in life if we just didn't have any rules or anybody to tell us what to do, if we just did whatever we wanted whenever we would want to, that that would be freedom. And yet what we find is when we live that way, it's, it's a life of dead-end streets and crisis and calamity, tragedy. You created us to walk in relationship with you. You are totally committed to us. Oh, Father, today, would you help us to become totally committed to you? Lord, I pray for any person this morning that's here that maybe for the first time in their life are inviting you to be the Savior and Lord of their life. They want to bind themselves to that irresistible love that you have. 
Lord, I pray that your grace would wash over them. I pray that you would break every chain that they have upon them. I pray, Father, that you would help them to discover how to walk in the fullness of the freedom that you offer them. Your word says that when the Son of Man sets you free, you are free indeed. Lord, we hold in our hands the reminder of how much you loved us. While we were yet sinners, you sent your one and only son to die in our place. So this little wafer that we hold represents your body that hung on a cross. and This little cup of juice represents your blood that was spilled. As we take these things today, we remember what our freedom cost you. May that bind us to your heart forever and ever, we pray. And it's in your name we thank you. And everyone said, amen. 